Welcome to Nobody Told Me That, your source for candid business talk and stories. Your host is speaker and author Teresa Duncan. Sit back, buckle up, and hang on. Viewer mailbag today. I have been receiving some very interesting emails whenever my newsletter goes out. Um, and I'll put a, a link to the latest one. Whenever the newsletter goes out, I always get a flurry of questions about all of these different uh, situations. And I will tell you that I had probably six emails on non-covered services when, within like the first two days. So it sounds to me like it is a uh, situation that we need to talk about. So I figured, let me have the first edition of your mailbag here. And let's talk about non-covered services. And then let's talk about benefits and eligibility after that, because that was the other uh, common question that I got. So first of all, this is from one of my longtime readers, and she's also a member of my focus group. So thank you very much. And just so you know, my focus group is, it's actually closed right now. I opened it up about a few newsletters ago, and we have 200 plus people in it. And basically, I'm asking very quick questions about insurance and how it's affecting you and certain decisions that you're making. And then I use that information to let the rest of you know what's going on in the world of insurance. Um, I'm going to open that up about once a year. So the newsletter readers will find out when that is. And of course, podcast listeners as well. If you would like to be a part of the focus group, uh, we will let you know when it opens back up. And uh, hopefully, hopefully you'll learn a lot from, from the responses that I've already received. So let's move on here. This particular reader asked, uh, what do you know about charging UCR versus contracted fees for a procedure that's not covered by the insurance? She's in the state of Arizona, and she just found out that legislation was passed, and it was passed last year, that legislation has passed that prevents capping of non-covered services by insurance. And so she was asking, do I trust the EOB as far as write-off or charging patients and do you know how she's asking me, you know, how would I make that correct assessment of what fee they're supposed to charge? We need to have a basic understanding, though, of what non-covered versus covered is. So there are many states, I would say the majority of the states that have non-covered services laws, they classify non-covered services as being uh, procedures that would never have been covered, procedures that are never covered by this plan, and you know, usually just not even mentioned on the fee schedule, which then allows us to charge our full fee. So an example for that would be, you know, maybe it was a provisional crown. Most provisional procedures are not covered under any plans. There are things like bleaching and oral hygiene instructions, which are just never, you know, they're just usually never covered. An example of a covered service, though, that, that is, gets confusing. So say you have three cleanings a year. So that third cleaning is typically not covered because of a benefit limitation. That is not what we call a not covered service. So it's for the third cleaning, you can't go right up to your full fee because it's technically not covered. Well, it would have been covered except for the patient's plan limitation. That's what we need to look at. So if there's an age limitation, a frequency limitation, if there's been a deductible, if there's been a yearly benefit applied, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's a not covered service in the eyes of this uh, 
statute. So that's where people get confused because when a procedure is denied, we typically think it's not covered. Well, then then that falls into this big umbrella, but that's that's not the case. So I need you to really know what your state's non-covered service is about. So I urge you to talk to your state association and find out if they've got a, a one sheet or a flyer about non-covered services, if they in fact have a have a rule on the books about it. So to date, 39 states have non-covered benefits or non-covered procedures, laws about non-covered procedures. You may want to check to see if your state is one of those. So again, call your state association. And if they don't have anything on their website about it, and they are one of those states, you may want to let them know that, hey, it's probably a good idea because you're going to get more calls from people like me. And, and then that helps just pass the word around. Okay. So as far as what to do with the non-covered services and should we trust the EOB, because that's really what she's saying is, you know, do I trust the EOB? Will they tell me the right amount? Well, my advice always, if you listen to my classes is, yeah, trust, but verify. Um, If you're an old fan of the X-Files show, that was kind of their motto. And it really just rings true when it comes to this. Um, If you think about it, most of the EOBs that you get, and I know you guys get a gazillion of them a month, right? Most EOBs are correct. They really are. It's just that the ones that aren't correct are so incorrect that they stand out to us and it kind of gives us a bad taste in our mouths. It is up to you, the insurance coordinator, to make sure of two things on those EOBs. Number one, are the fees correct? Because you contracted for certain fees and you need to make sure that you know the fees that you're being told to use are not lower than what you're actually contracted for. And sometimes they're lower because maybe you were added to a network and that's a whole big ball of wax, but it's up to you to make sure that the correct fees are being applied. The second thing that you need to be aware of is, are the write-offs accurate and Well, maybe there's three things. So are the write-offs accurate? Making sure that that's correct. And then number three, is there an opportunity for appeal? So there's always a lot going on with each EOB. Luckily, for the most part, it's a quick scan and you don't need to apply all this stuff to that EOB. It's a pretty easy, simple, you can see the fees match, everything looks good. Bada boom, bada bang. You know, you're you're done, you're done, and you can just go ahead and process it. Let's go back to what do I do if the EOB has been telling me to write it off and I actually shouldn't have been writing it off. Well, you know, if you're going back and doing an audit and the patient's account is already settled, you have to think about it. Is there a real value to going back and charging the patient for that extra amount? Well, most times not. Again, that's a case-by-case basis. I'm not going to put a blanket rule on there. You know your situation better than I do. But what you can do is know from this point on, you're going to be doing it accurately because now you've checked. The other part of her question, which I, I did not read out loud, but I'll tell you is, you know, what do we do with these fees now that we found out that they are eligible to be charging a higher amount? What do we do now? We should just, you know, raise our fees and tell the patient, hey, this is now a non-covered service and we're able to charge you this amount. So I feel very funny about that. What I mean is if you gave a patient a treatment plan in good faith and it says $2,000 for an implant, let's just take implants, for example, and let's say implants are a non-covered service for this particular carrier. They never charge for implants or they never cover implants. It's not on the fee schedule. We found out that uh, we have been able to charge you a higher fee. That's basically what you're saying. And that never 
ever goes over well with patients. So if you have provided a treatment plan and it's got a lower fee on it and the patient's been coming in, they're a regular patient, I would not raise that fee because they really do trust you to give you your best estimate on the fees. Now, if the patient hasn't been in in a while and this is looks this really looks like a brand new treatment plan because they haven't been in in a while, then sure, raise your fees and let them know there's been adjustments and and that's fine. But if you have just recently given them a plan and now you find out you can charge them more, that's a real tricky conversation to have. And I personally have never felt comfortable with that. And I always felt like I was doing a little bit of bait and switch. And so I feel real strongly about making sure we create that trust with the patient. And I think raising fees just because we can, even though we just quoted it to them, I think that feels a little bit like not being trustworthy. And so that's my take on it. Uh, If you feel differently in your office, I respect that. I I do. I'm just giving you my point of view on it. Uh, And I would just really take a look and see, you know, how are patients accepting this when you talk to them about it? Because, you know, look at their body language. Look at, do they come back again? Because that might be your answer as to how well that decision was actually accepted by your patients. Okay, so non-covered services, wrap up on that is check with your state and find out what is non-covered services. My bet is going to be that it's procedures that are not on the contracted fee schedule and are never covered by the carrier. And that is where you would really want to take a look at what the carrier policies are. So let's go into this real quick. For every participating provider, you probably got a one or two page sheet that was more like a sales flyer or like a one sheet on you know, what it's like to be a participating provider. Here's the biggest things you should look out for. But every company that you participate with has what they call a provider processing manual called something like that. It is more like a 70 to 100 page document. So if you take a look at that document, it's going to go through most of the procedure codes that are listed on the PPO fee schedule. And it's going to tell you all of the clauses and all of the limitations that go along with each procedure code. That's really, really valuable reading. And most offices, when I tell them about it, have no idea that this even exists. So go to your provider portal uh, on, on the insurance company's website and see if you can download that. If you can't get to it, then you will need to pick up the phone and get in touch with your provider relations department. This manual does exist, I promise you. So get a hold of that and, and take a look at that. Then you can see according to the carrier, what non-covered services are, because they, if it's not listed, that's not typically a covered service. And that's what we're going to take a look at. Uh, so again, tying back to non-covered services, should you charge if it's a non-covered services? Yes, I would absolutely charge your full fee unless you had given it to them recently and it's a lower fee. Uh, that's my only caveat. But yes, if it's a non-covered service, I would absolutely charge what I can because we take a really big cut on a lot of these procedures. I don't, I know I don't have to tell you twice about that. Okay. Second viewer mailbag was really, really interesting because sometimes I forget that there's even steps way before processing and and claims. And, uh, you know, I go over these in my basic instructions, my basic courses where it's, you know, almost like beginner only, but I spend so much time teaching the higher level courses that I forget that we need to really go back to the basics. And so if it sounds like this is a subject that you have covered, let's just keep listening because maybe there's an opportunity for you to teach any of your team members about this or to assess if maybe this is a situation that is happening in your office. Um, my, I know that I have a lot of uh, 
experienced insurance coordinators that listen to me, and I always am so appreciative that you guys do. Let's take it back to basics and see if some of the newer coordinators need some help with this. So her question to me was, what do I do as far as eligibility and benefits and and what's my protocol for that? And, you know, when I read this, I thought, what do you mean protocol? You find out. <laughs> you find out if there's eligibility. You find out if there's benefits. And then I realized, wait a second, she's asking me some real specific questions in this one really long question that she asked me. The specifics she's asking for are who, what, where, when, and why. And so let me tackle it from from that situation. So the purpose of checking for eligibility is, of course, to find out, do they have benefits and are we able to actually charge them for procedures, you know, or, or are we going to be asking for them uh, to cover it all out of pocket? So is it a is it a covered service? I mean, is it a covered visit or is it going to be completely out of pocket for them? Uh, that's, the t- that's the benefit of checking eligibility is that we know that answer ahead of time. It also helps to avoid with cancellations because we have all had a patient that came in, we found out that they didn't have benefits, and instead of going forward with the procedure, they end up just saying, you know what, forget it. I'm not, I don't have coverage. I'm out of here. And then now you have this huge hour uh, that's just kind of sitting, staring at you. And you've got everybody giving you the side eye because they want to know what happened. We do check eligibility for that reason. When it comes to benefits, we absolutely need a rundown of benefits. And this is why, this is why we get into trouble is when we don't find these things out ahead of time. Now, interestingly enough, I know this person that sent this email and she uh, actually is using an outsourcing company. And I, you know, that's a whole different conversation, but I, I do believe that outsourcing your insurance benefits and eligibility is huge and can be a real time saver in your practice. I know on its face, it doesn't look like it's a time saver because it's more of a money suck. But when you factor in the time it takes to call, the labor involved, you're going to come out ahead. The girl that emailed me here, she is she has a staff, she has a busy staff, and she's basically finding out that she's paying, she was paying a lot of money to the staff to do really, really menial tasks, such as such as getting eligibility and benefits. And, and it was just very much not a good use of money. She had some very, very bright people working for her and she could not utilize their brain, their brain power, because they were on the phone on hold all the time. And once she switched away, she was able to have a good full reception team that was welcoming patients, that was checking out patients and really just being able to dedicate a lot of time to patients. So again, I kind of went off on a tangent there, but there's a real reason why I think outsourcing is a good idea because some of our best and brightest are just on hold all day long. And it's a real shame. Okay. So we have a patient that is coming in and say they're a new patient. So let's talk about new patients first. They're a new patient and we need to get their eligibility and benefit breakdown. That's a no-brainer. We absolutely need to do that. All new patients, we need to have that in um, the schedule. We need to know that they're covered and we need to know what their benefits look like so we can give them a heads up on whether or not it's just a bad scene, right? Like if they don't have good benefits, we would really want to let them know that ahead of time to prepare. And I just firmly believe on being completely transparent on all of that. I think patients in the end really do appreciate that. Okay. So what about our returning patients? Because this is really where the problem comes in. We all know we need to get eligibility and benefits on our new patients. But as far as our returning patients, now, 
when I talk about outsourcing, there's two different uh, manners of outsourcing. So outsourcing, you have a full company that does all of that. You basically turn over your database and they do all of that. Now, the second part that I'm talking about is one that you probably have in place, which is um, an electronic add-in to your practice management software. For example, um, in Dentrix, you have a button that lets you check eligibility and benefits, and then whatever they find out gets pushed back into your software. I love that. I love that so much because some of the most um, mind-numbing tasks is entering in benefits into the software. And if my software can push it back in for me uh, automatically, then I'm a, I'm a huge, huge fan of that. Okay. Now, I will check on returning patients. I will take a look and see when they were back or when they were in last and say, you know, right now it's May. If they haven't been in since November of last year, I know that their benefits, if it's a yearly plan, has turned over. So when I'm on the phone with them and I'm trying to figure out, you know, hey, let's uh, let's get their information for this appointment, what I might say to them is, uh, Mrs. Jones, it looks like you haven't been in since last year. So do you remember getting new benefits for the year? Do you remember getting paperwork that your benefits look different this year? And most of the time she'll say, no, it's the same old, same old, same plan I've had for a long time. The trick is she may have had the same plan. So say she's a member, she's a patient that has Boeing insurance. And I always use Boeing. It's just the easiest thing for me to remember. So Boeing insurance, she has worked for Boeing for years. She's had the same plan for years, but this year she actually was eligible to upgrade to a different plan. In her mind, she's had the same plan, but we know that it's a different setup. And so I always ask, you know, did your benefits change? Do you remember getting new benefits for the year? And hopefully that would be enough to trigger her. Now, sometimes we have patients who don't remember. I get it. I know it's frustrating, but it is what it is. So in that situation, hopefully the patient will say, oh, yeah, you know what? I actually, they're charging me a little bit more and I have different benefits this year. Then I'm going to go and get a full benefits check. But if it's the patient, if the patient comes in and they say, no, it's the same old, same old, I just renewed again, would I go and get a, a new benefits check? Well, once a year I would. I, I think once a year is is very fair for a returning patient that doesn't think that they have any changes. I think that's very, very fair. We need to my, find out, did the plan change itself? So say she does have the same plan, but maybe she has different benefits because they added in adult fluoride or maybe they added in better frequency limitation for their cleanings. It's up to us to really update that once a year. But now say the same patient came in again, November of 2018, she's made her, makes her appointment. She comes in this month and then she's coming back in for her next appointment. And that's November. Would I get a full benefits check at that point? No, I absolutely would not. And, and that's really the beauty of having a front office that knows their patient base really well. Um, I know some of you are in bigger offices and that doesn't really work. So that's why it's important to have protocols like that in place. So make a flow chart, new patient, what happens there. And for new patient, it's always eligibility and benefits. Returning patient, first time this year, eligibility and benefits. Returning patient after second appointment, second or third appointment, I would not get a full rundown on, be on uh, benefits. I would every time every time get a rundown on eligibility, however, because eligibility is where you're going to mess up at some point. It's going to happen to all of us. It's going to happen to the best of us. Uh, we find out that somebody's eligible. We think everything's great. And then three months later, we find out, oh, <laughs> what's this letter that's saying there's no benefits because patient had actually terminated? Well, now 
that's annoying. And our first thought is to get really mad at the insurance company for giving us the wrong information because we wouldn't have scheduled that appointment had we known that they didn't have benefits. We would have had a nice talk with them ahead of time about what their out-of-pocket would be. Is it the insurance company's fault? Well, you know what? Usually it's not in this situation. It's the HR's fault, the human resources department's fault. Because say the patient came in on March 15th and we went ahead and did their cleaning and all of that, but HR has been sitting on their termination paperwork and they were actually terminated on March 1st. And then they sent that into the insurance company. And, you know, they don't always pay on time, these ins- these HR companies. I will tell you, these HR departments sometimes do not send in their premium on time. And so things get backdated. It's a problem in the insurance industry. And so then they find out, okay, wait a second. In an audit of this patient, turns out we paid for it, but he actually wasn't eligible. They do have the right to come back to you on that if you're a participating provider. They do have the right to come back to you and ask you for um, a refund. And, you know, according to your contract, you need to send it to them. So are we, who should we be really angry at? Well, it doesn't serve any purpose to be angry, but if you have to pick people to be angry at, I would be angry at the patient. I'd be angry at the employer because this is really not your fault. This is not the insurance company's fault. You actually were both working together in earnest and in good faith. And it was other uh, resources that really messed you up there. So how, what do you do in that situation? Well, you'll need to call the patient. You'll need to text the patient, call the patient, email the patient, and find out, you know, do they have different coverage? Were they, you know, working somewhere else and they have different coverage? Many times they'll say, oh, I totally forgot. And you'll say, oh, that's nice. And you'll be annoyed. But <laughs> um, the fact is, if they give you new benefits, that's better than having no benefits at all. Um, it's also another reason why I'm a big fan of collecting personal emails from the patient as well. So oftentimes they'll come in and if they give me a work email, for example, it'll say John Smith at Boeing.com. I often will ask them when I was working at the front, I would ask them for a personal email. And the way I would phrase it was, would you mind giving us a personal email? Sometimes we send information out and we're not comfortable with it going to your work email. And so we can make sure that it goes to your personal. We won't use it unless we have to. Really, you're just trying to get a backup. And hopefully they would give that to you with no problem because the worst is finding out somebody doesn't have benefits. Uh, They've termed with their employer. Their phone number doesn't work anymore because it was an employer-related phone. Um, Their work email doesn't work anymore, and they probably moved. (laughs) So there's an awful lot of moving pieces there. And hopefully with a personal email or a personal cell phone, you can cut that down. Okay, so that's enough from your mailbag today. Uh, I will be reading more in the days to come, the podcast to come, because I typically get a good amount of viewer uh, questions. <laughs> so we'll we'll continue this fine tradition uh, down the road, and we'll have Kevin Henry, who you may have noticed it was not with me today. Kevin Henry will be back for another podcast, and we always have a good time with that. So hopefully the non-covered services talk and the eligibility and benefits talk has been helpful to you. And hopefully you won't have to deal with it anytime soon because you will have taken the proper steps to protect yourself. Thank you again for listening. And I will always answer emails uh, when I get them and hold them for viewer mailbag. So we have more until the next podcast episode. I hope you all have a great day. Subscribe to this podcast. So you'll get our next candid discussion. Visit Teresa's website, odysseymgmt.com that's odysseymgmt.com for more information on Teresa's courses 
books, and speaking schedule. Subscribe to her newsletter while you're there. Don't say we didn't tell you that. <laughs>